It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. We welcome back to Live in the Bream today. One of my favorite guests who also happens to be a really good friend. She is a correspondent on one of my mom's favorite shows, Inside Edition. She knows everything going on with this guest. She covers Super Bowls, interviews presidents. Um, she's all over the place. We have her on Fox. Um, she has. A, she's an actress. She writes songs. She writes books. She's had two bestsellers, Faith in the Spotlight, Thriving in Your Career While Staying True to Your Beliefs, and also one of my absolute favorites one more hug the most precious children's book um megan alexander thanks for coming back on living the bream hey shannon thank you so much for having me um i am i'm thrilled to do this i think about the fact that you and i met in a bible study in new york all those years ago i'm so proud of you and thrilled to have another powerful book to talk about congrats Thank you so much, my friend. So we're talking about love stories of the Bible speak. And Megan is kind enough to help me break down one of the strangest stories um, in the Bible when it talks about how a relationship came together. Queen Esther and King Xerxes. Okay, Megan, these guys came together at the beginning of this book, the book of Esther. We meet King Xerxes and he is ticked because his original queen, Queen Vashti, will not come and parade herself uh, in front of these men that he's been entertaining and showing his wealth and showing off. And so she's uh, suddenly not the queen anymore. Um, That was a bold move on her part. But it's against that backdrop that he then begins his search for a new queen. Um, And it's sort of like the weirdest bachelorette's beauty pageant reality show of the Persian Empire. Tell us about what happens. Yes. Well, I really appreciate how you set up this scene, Shannon, um, by, you know, saying this was more than just a beauty pageant on steroids. It's God's divine work in the midst of a less than ideal marriage. That is page 94, folks, from Shannon's book. You know, Esther reminds us that life is messy. Life doesn't go according to script. I I can't imagine this young woman when she gets the call that she has been summoned to the king's court to compete for his attention and ultimately for the role of being queen. What was going through her mind? It reminds us, Shannon, that life can change in a second. We never know where God is going to call us or ask us to do. But God uses imperfect people and imperfect relationships. And I really appreciated how you set that up. I mean, again, It's wild. It's unconventional. It seems so bizarre. And yet God is beginning to lay the foundation and the plan for something very special to happen through this young woman. Yeah. And we don't really know. One of the things we know about Esther's story is she was orphaned. She was raised by this relative Mordecai, who seems like a very wise man who took her under his wing. And he one of the pieces of advice he gave her, though, was in the beginning to hide her Jewish heritage. I mean, they were living in the Persian Empire and there were many, many Jewish people who had fully assimilated. Um, some held on to their background in a different way, but she had a different name. She was Hadassah, but she used Esther. And it was, like you said, God's plan up until the moment she eventually reveals exactly who she is to the king at threat of losing her own life, that God has positioned her to save his people in this beautiful way. Um, 
And we see a very different King Xerxes by the end of the story, because in the beginning, he's um, arrogant. He is, you know, ticked off by Queen Vashti, who won't come do what he says. He kicks her out. By the end of this, so there's a long time. We don't really know if Esther fell in love with her husband. We know that she was respectful and she carried out this role and was very kind to him. Um but by the end, we see a guy who is pretty enamored with her to the point that he would give her half his kingdom, which in those days would have been unthinkable wealth and power for a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, indeed. You know, Esther reminds us of God's timing. God's timing right. maybe will be much longer. You know, early on when she's told to not reveal her Jewish identity, you you wonder what was going through her mind. Wait a minute. What does that mean? When will I be able to? Um, the story of Esther reminds us that God reveals things in his time, not ours. It requires patience. It requires faith. And it requires trust. And Shannon, I really appreciated you. You write in this chapter that many women find themselves in less than ideal situations, not sure how the story is going to unfold. Um, Some women find themselves in relationships that seem less than ideal or with men who don't have faith. Um, Esther's life early on reminds us that when things seem messy and not perhaps according to our plan, that there is a larger, bigger plan and it requires that patience and trust. And so what does she do? She just puts one foot in front of the other and begins to move forward and receives these beauty treatments and prepares herself um, to meet the king. Oftentimes, I think in life, and again, we don't know the whole big picture, but God says, take that first step and I will be with you. And that's exactly what Esther did. Yeah, you're so right, because... These women were called from around the provinces of Persia, that empire at that time. And we don't know how much choice they had in this whole thing. Um, she was obviously viewed as very physically attractive. But when she gets there, and you, you say rightly that she takes each little step. So she's part of this preparation process. And we're told in the Bible, like, she has great favor. I mean, the people really are drawn to her. It's not just about her looks, but this character of Esther. There was something so special about her. And and to recap the story for people who don't know, Haman was the number two guy to King Xerxes. And he was a bad guy. He did not like the Jewish people. He specifically had run-ins with the man who raised Esther, with Mordecai, who would stay around the gates outside the palace and try to see how she was doing. Well, Haman, the number two guy, wanted everybody to kind of grovel and bow to him. Mordecai wouldn't do it. Um, The Jewish people had one God, and it definitely was not Haman. So, you know, he wanted to persecute them. And Haman came up with this idea. Listen, I'll go to the king and say, you know, there are people within the empire who do not um, worship you. They have other gods. They have another god or something else that they're worshiping. It's not you. And they're enemies, essentially, within your kingdom. Give me the power to wipe them out. Well, the king has no idea the specifics, but Haman's made it sound like, hey, you've got, you know, enemies in your midst. And, um, He gives him the power. Haman has the power to put out this decree that all of the Jewish people will be wiped out. So when Mordecai finds that and gets word to Esther, we know then she's got a decision to make. And so 
she was frightened to go to the king unbidden could mean your death. He could, you could be killed on the spot. So as much as we know that it seems like Xerxes really had this affection for her, she would be risking her life. And at first she didn't want to do it, which is where we see that beautiful, powerful speech from Mordecai that sometimes we have to read to ourselves. Like sometimes, you know, God puts you where you need to be for such a time as this. And she says, okay, tell everyone to fast. I will fast. Then I will go to King Xerxes. And she does. She has this banquet with him. First of all, she goes to him and he doesn't send her away. She has great favor. He accepts her. Then she invites him to one banquet with Haman, who Haman's like, oh, look at me. I'm getting the invite from the queen. And then um, she doesn't detail what she wants. She says, King, if you'll come back tomorrow for another special time of feasting, then I'll tell you. And it's at that time she reveals exactly what it is. There are somebody who wants to kill me and all of my people and has to reveal that she's Jewish. And the king is just this righteous indignation on her behalf and furious, like who is responsible? And she points the finger right at Haman. And the story takes a turn there. He does. So Shannon, you grabbed my attention. If we can back up just a tiny bit, um, I found it fascinating with some of the wording that Esther used. Um, You write about the fact that Esther says, quote, may it please the king. Yes. And Shannon, you mentioned that early on in law school, you quickly learned to say, may it please the court when presenting a case before a judge. Can you talk a bit about that and that wording? I find that fascinating that Esther was a student of the culture. She was very aware. She was very present of what she was doing. Very smart, I think. Um, she would talk about that as a law student. Yes, she really was. Um, So as a law student, yeah, the first thing they tell you, because you're terrified, unless you're crazy, (laughs) and maybe you're just brilliant and smart and wonderful and ready to go into the courtroom. I was terrified of this, but you always are super deferential, whether it's a single judge or a panel of judges, you always go up and start your argument with, may it please the court. And it's showing complete deference. And her her wording there did remind me of that lesson, that very basic thing. Um, She had come into this marriage in a very strange way. And again, we don't know what her feelings were towards the king, but she was always respectful. So when she's going to go to him with her life in his hands and now the life of all of her people, she does start with that phrase, if it pleases the king. So she says that, you know, has that tone with him many times as if I am here in deference, in respect. And um, I, I think that when we approach leaders, whether it's our boss or whether it's our spouse or whether it's, you know, another relationship where um, there may be friction, we may have to come make a big ask. I think she was very wise, like you said, very smart to start with from this place of respect um, so that you can then make your case. You've kind of smoothed the path there. You're standing before them, recognizing you're the authority here, like I would say in court, let may it please the court. And I'm going to make this request, but I do this with great respect. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, it to me, perhaps it reveals that we hear about the beauty treatments that all these young women received and very much preparation to be a beautiful queen and, and gain the favor of the king. But I wonder, Shannon, if she wasn't constantly studying at the palace, seeing yeah. how things what was the protocol? What was the conversation? How did she learn to approach the king in that manner? How did she learn the right thing to say? I think she's a student of culture and she was uh, very smart to be aware at all times of, of the politics of the palace. And it was more than just a physical beauty. I, I think she was very shrewd and smart. Mm-hmm. And that was part of her preparation for such a time as this. When you finally get that foot in the door to see the king and for her Her beauty got her in the door, but when she's standing before him, 
What is she going to say? What is she going to do? It's so much more. It's so much bigger. Um, that's what I take perhaps from behind the scenes. Yeah, I think you're so right. And, and that what we see in the early part where she's in sort of this harem of women, if we're being blunt about it, who were being groomed to go be presented to see if the king would be interested in them. We see that, as I mentioned, she has great favor. So we know the people internally in this um, preparation process really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd imagine that she does learn from them and that she's able to dig into their wealth of knowledge and defer to them and say, you know, I'm here to figure this thing out. And they wanted to help her. I, I almost in my mind, I don't want to add to scripture, but I, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, like the day that she gets to meet the king, were they sort of cheering for her? Like, OK, this is our favorite, our insider. Um, I know you and I both have pageant backgrounds. We both yes. have judged in the days <laughs> since our ancient days of having our own crowns. But we judge. And listen, by the time you get to the finals night, I know for me, there's usually, you know, you can't talk about it at judges and with judges until it's over. But I usually feel like there's this one young woman who really stands out that I'm like, you know, in my heart pulling for her, like, I wonder what the other judges think, but like, she's my favorite. And I think she would be such a great representative. And I wonder if that palace staff and the people who had advised and helped her felt that way about Esther. I think that's a really good point. Again, I think this, this book, Esther is a reminder of human nature, um, of the way people interact, the power struggle. I mean, this is a classic power struggle here between you know her and Mordecai's plan and what Haman is trying to do, and just human nature and the way we act and the way people jostle and you know move in positions of power. So yes, again, she's been prepared. She's studied. She listened. The advisors, you know, as you mentioned, may be rooting for her, and then she gets to that moment. And then I think this love story requires being brave. Mm -hmm. Esther, in that moment when she needs to gain the favor of the king, she takes her time. She requests that he attend one banquet, then come come back and attend a second banquet with her. She really draws this thing out and is very careful and prepared. Um, I think the book of Esther reminds us that our love for God requires us being bold and brave at the Mm -hmm. right moment and having the strength along the way, building up that strength when we are called to do something very scary, that we will have um, the bravery to do it for the Lord. She's remarkably brave in that moment, Shannon. Several times you remind us in this chapter that she could have been killed instantly. I mean, this was a king who ruled in that way. Snap of his fingers and people could be gone. And yet she boldly went. She could have turned away and said, oh, I'm already here. I'll just, you know, be comfortable as a queen and I'll just kind of lay low and try to keep an eye out. No, she continued to be bold and brave and stepped on through and ultimately saved her people because of it. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Again, we're talking about the very interesting, unique story of Queen Esther and King Xerxes in the Bible, in the book of Esther. That's what it's all about. Uh, It's also included in my new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, which we are discussing with our friend, Megan Alexander. Um, So I, I think about this, that Esther was thrown into this situation. She was wise, as you said, brave. She asked her people to fast. She fasted. I mean, she was very disciplined and humble in the way that she went about this. And towards the end of the chapter, I have this uh, this little paragraph I want to read. 
The Xerxes we meet at the end of the book of Esther stands in enormous contrast to the impetuous, haughty man we first encountered. We can't know exactly what happened in his head or his heart, but we know he had enormous respect for Esther and Mordecai. She had no choice about how she entered Xerxes' world, but she remained faithful to the advice of Mordecai and summoned the courage to graciously and bravely fight for her people. Xerxes became a defender of the Jewish people. Not only had he gained a wife of great honor, but Mordecai had also proven to be a devoted subject of outstanding character. So, you know, we we look at the the path of the story of Esther is not only her story, it's certainly the story of the entire Jewish people, but also of Mordecai and how he was really wise in the way that he uh, gave her advice. And sometimes we need that um more experienced, whether it's a family member or, uh, you know, somebody that we respect in the church or another couple or that kind of thing to kind of guide us and push us when we need to be a little bit more brave with our faith, which he had to do with Esther. Um, But this story shows so much bravery on so many levels from so many people and really making the best of a situation that you may not have chosen for yourself. Now, in the context of current marriages, um, listen, in the Western world, we're free, uh, the vast majority of us, to choose the spouse that we want to spend our lives with now. We can be in a situation, as you said, sometimes with um, sometimes we're the spouse that's not so easy to live with, but sometimes we have a spouse that's not so easy to live with. And every marriage is imperfect. That's just a fact because we're all sinners saved by grace, born that way, selfish, and I'm raising my hand. But when we can step back and be respectful and seek God in our circumstances, and I'm not saying anybody should stay in an abusive situation or anything that is unacceptable. I'm saying like when you're working through personality conflicts and differences, maybe about how you raise your children or how you see the world, um, there's a lot of power in being respectful and working through that kind of difficult situation. A very good point. And I love how you brought up, you know, Western relationships. I, I think, you know, the American love story and, and and other countries too, we have this cookie cutter idea of what the perfect relationship could be. But Shannon, think of different countries around the world, Middle Eastern countries where women do not have the freedoms that we have and are in marriages that may feel um, confusing. They're not sure where God is. I think this book is very encouraging. It's very encouraging that you you never know who is being brought into your life for such a time as this. I completely agree with you. Um, it, it is a broader view of God. You know, I think some, sometimes we just come down to, again, the, the Cinderella story or, again, a very, you know, cookie cutter version of, of what a love story should be. But th- the book of Esther takes it so much bigger. There's a grander plan in place. I mean, ultimately, why are we on this earth? To bring glory to God, to have him, you know, live through us. What is taking place in the world right now? And Shannon, I was part of a prayer gathering a while ago where some folks um, were talking about the fact that there there may be some women right now in positions of power in the Middle East who are Christians, who are literally living out a similar story to Esther. Um, it's inspiring. It's exciting. We can't put God in a box. And I'm so I'm so encouraged and inspired by Esther's bravery, her devotion, her discipline, and I would really say her smarts, Shannon. The way yep. that you paint this picture for us, she was a smart lady who knew when to speak, when not to, when to say something, you know, when to back up, when to move forward and take a bold stance. 
um, she's quite a remarkable woman. It's 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 quite a relationship to study, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I feel like every time I dive into it, I see something new and you can look at it from mm-hmm. so many different angles. Um, I Each of these chapters in Love Stories of the Bible Speak, I end with a prayer. So I want to read the one that ends us up for Xerxes and Esther. Heavenly Father, please help us to see that you are always working through our circumstances and our lives, even when our situations are less than the ideal we hope and pray for. May we find the courage to speak up in the moments we find ourselves in the midst of a difficult assignment. Give us the discernment to make our case with wisdom and humility and to trust you with the outcome. Whether this is in the context of marriage or anything else, I feel like um, that's a prayer from my heart. And I think that most of us could say, God, help me out when things are difficult. Um, and I will trust in you. Uh, Megan, I know that you and your family are based there in Nashville. And as we're recording this, we're just a couple of days out from the horrific shooting there. And it's really difficult. Sometimes people feel, you know, to question where is God in this and where is he in our suffering? Um, but I know that you and I um, share the hope that is beyond these horrible circumstances and when we can't make sense of things, all we can do is lean on him. So true, Shannon. Thank you. It has been a difficult time in Nashville, but God is here. God is is all around us. And there's so many stories of comfort and um, peace that uh, God is bringing to the Nashville people. Whether you are Esther in a lonely palace, unsure of what your life is going to be, or you are in a difficult circumstance, you know, in your own home, God is there. God sees all. He loves us. And there is a bigger plan in place. We don't always see the full story, but wow, it's a powerful one. And God is in control. And I cling to that, Shannon. I cling to that, that God knows all things and he's always with us. He'll never leave us including our, yeah, he knows our hearts too. Quickly before we go, I want to make sure because you've put out such good content in the wake of this with Sissy Goff, who is a counselor on how to work through some of these things. So remind us how people can find you on all of the social media places where you're providing this really important content, how to talk to your kids about these things when they happen uh, and more. Oh, sure. Well, thank you. I posted on Instagram, uh, Megan J. Alexander one, and also on my Facebook, which is just Megan Alexander. Yes, it was a real, uh, a real honor to speak with Sissy Goff, who is a child therapist and counselor at Daystar Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee. Her website is raisingboysandgirls.com. And she puts out um, just really solid advice for parents that aren't sure what to say. What is too much? When should I bring up this? Um, She's very helpful in guiding that conversation. And so as a parent of three little kids myself, I really appreciate her and her work. And yes, I got to talk to her and recorded a couple of videos that I have been uploading to my social media. Well, God bless you both. And we are praying for the people of Nashville as you walk through this as a community. Megan Alexander, thank you always for making time to be on Live in the Bream. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you for these beautiful love stories of the Bible. Love this book. God bless you, and we'll chat again soon. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.